0: Welcome to The Freak Show, fellow freaks.
1: I'm Matthew Brockmeyer.
0: I'm Krista Carmen.
1: And this is...
0: Murder Coaster.
1: The internet has always been a place where people of similar ilk and shared interests can find each other and share their passions. Sometimes these relationships can evolve into deep personal friendships... Sometimes, even passionate love affairs. In the modern world, online dating is a completely normal practice. We're besieged with apps to find true love or just have a casual encounter. There's dating apps catered to farmers, Christians, LGBTQ, even married folks looking to have an affair. But in the early days, people found each other on chat rooms as did Armin and burned the subject of today's episode. These two found more than just friendship and love. They found a deep connection that would change their lives forever in an affair the likes of which the internet had never seen before or since, resulting in murder and cannibalism. Today, Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you the story of Armin Mews and burned brandies, the cannibal soulmates. This one has been requested many times, but originally by good friend of the show, Ashley Doss. So here you go, Ashley. Hope you enjoy it. It's definitely one of the craziest, weirdest, grossest, and spookiest stories we have ever covered.
0: And with that, let's begin. In the autumn of 2001, a young college student in Germany frantically called the police. He said he'd been surfing the internet, bored, when he'd stumbled upon a cannibalistic fetish group, where, in a series of chat rooms, folks who found the idea of cannibalism sexually stimulating would regale each other with their fantasies, both of eating a human and being consumed as well. The college student thought that it was all amusing and ridiculous and began to lightheartedly troll them, running into a man named Frankie, who claimed to be an actual cannibal that was searching for the right person to make his next meal. Teasing the man and calling his bluff, the student said he'd be willing to be eaten. And the two started talking via email, The student thinking it would be a funny anecdote to tell his friends about, maybe even write a paper on someday. But what had started as a lark, to troll some weirdos for a laugh, soon turned dark. Frankie convinced the student that he had indeed killed and eaten another human being, and that he very much wanted to murder and eat him as well, accompanying his statements with some disturbing photographs. The college student was so freaked out that he deleted his email account and then, in a panic, disabled his computer, terrified the supposed cannibal would be able to track him down. As paranoia overwhelmed him, the student then alerted the police.
1: German police took the matter seriously and set about tracking where the emails and posts were coming from and who exactly this Frankie person really was. They traced them to a one, Armin Muse, and secured a search warrant for the self professed cannibal's home in Rottenburg.
0: Armin Muse lived alone in a 30 room 17th century mansion on a large estate he'd inherited from his mother. A place the locals called the Haunted House because of its dilapidated state and smell of mold. The estate next door they called the witch's house, as it had once been owned by a self-professed satanic witch who, for the right price, would put a spell on an enemy, cursing them with death, and apparently had a high success rate.
1: Okay, everybody. So just to be clear, the German cops are headed to a haunted 17th century mansion in Rottenburg, where an actual devil-worshipping witch used to be a neighbor. To track down a supposed cannibal. You cannot make this shit up. Seriously.
0: (laughs) The, The sprawling grounds of the haunted house were a mess. Junked cars littered the large lawn. The gardens untended and filled with trash. The house itself falling into a deep state of disrepair. Investigators knocked on the mansion's doors and served their search warrant on Armin.
1: I see a lot of descriptions of Armin saying he's normal looking, even, quote, surprisingly normal looking. Now, I mean, I don't know what surprisingly normal looking even means, but to me personally, he looks kind of strange. He looks like a cross between John Waters and William Macy from Fargo and Shameless. He has like the thin lips and chin of John Waters and the large forehead and receding hair with those really weird eyes of William Macy. Well, when the police told Armin of the accusations against him and asked him if he'd ever eaten human flesh, he replied cryptically, I may have.
0: The police then began their search of the house. The sprawling manor was unkempt, dusty and filled with cobwebs, rat droppings scattered about. One room was filled with computers and computer equipment, which made sense as he worked with computers, but even so, there were so many of them piled up on top of each other. It felt bizarre.
1: As they combed deeper into the house, the man grew visibly nervous, and they eventually found an utterly bizarre room. There was a table with rubber sheets, knives and butchering equipment laid about, and what appeared to be a trough for blood. Meat hooks hung from the walls and ceiling, a mannequin dangling from one, and in the corner was a crude wooden cage covered in chicken wire.
0: They unearthed a mountain of disturbing pornography. Magazines and videotapes of extreme bondage and violent sex, as well as homemade whips. They eventually came upon a storage freezer. The freezer was packed with meat, each cut labeled and vacuum sealed in a pale blue bag. The only other things in the freezer were an old box of frozen pizza enveloped in frost and a dead rat that had been flattened by all the meat stored upon it.
1: Gross. They stored the hard drives from the many computers and took the meat for it to be genetically tested to see if it was human, and left the man there.
0: A couple of days later, the man's lawyer called investigators. His client wanted to confess. Yes, he had killed, butchered, and eaten a man. But it wasn't murder. The man had come to him willingly, had wanted to be eaten. They were soulmates who'd found each other online, and it was a consensual act committed by two adults not homicide. And to prove it, the man had over three hours of videotapes documenting the entire process he was willing to turn over to the police.
1: What soon unfurled was one of the strangest cases in all the history of true crime, all completely filmed and documented. Two gay men who'd found each other on the internet, one suicidal and masochistic, who desired more than anything to be consumed, beginning with his penis, which he wished to be bitten off and eaten raw while he was still alive. The other, a self-avowed cannibal, more than willing to fulfill the other's dark fantasy.
0: This is their story. Chapter 1. A Little Boy Named Armin. Armin Muse was born on December 1st, 1961. His mother, Waltrud, was nearly 40, and his father, Dieter, a policeman, was only 22. Waltrud had two older sons from a previous marriage, and the family all lived together. Little Armin, the baby, his two older half-brothers, Ingbert and Wolfgang, in the Ruhr industrial area of western Germany.
1: Little Armin loved building model houses and reading fairy tales. He loved the Grimm's brothers who wrote much of their gathered stories in nearby Cassel where there is a museum celebrating their work. His favorite story was Hansel and Gretel. The family would spend their holidays on an estate with a rambling 30-room farmhouse the locals had dubbed the haunted house as its interior was always dark and it had a peculiar, musty smell to it. Vacations at the estate were a time of great happiness. Armin kept his beloved pony there and would play with the neighbor boy, Manfred, whose grandfather owned the estate and would eventually sell it to the family.
0: But life in the Muse family was far from ideal. Waltrod and Dieter fought constantly. Waltrod often accusing Dieter of cheating on her, and saying she'd find his lover and kill her, while Dieter accused her of being insane.
1: The constant arguing and fights put a deep strain on the family. First, his half-brother, Ingbert, went to live with his biological father in Berlin. Then, when he was just eight years old, his father abandoned the family. And soon, his favorite brother, Wolfgang, also moved to Berlin to be with his biological father, as well.
0: Now it was just little Armin and his mother. Armin was incredibly lonely, the house suddenly deathly quiet with his brothers and father gone, and he plunged into his imagination to keep him company, creating an imaginary friend named Frankie.
1: Waltrow, meanwhile, hardened after the collapse of her second marriage. All the men in her life, including her first two sons, had left her. All but Armin, he was all she had left, and she vowed to chain him to her side and never let him leave her.
0: Armin was a bright child and did well in school, excelling in math, but he was a shy, inhibited boy with no friends. His mother was old-fashioned and older and wouldn't buy him the latest toy or indulge in fads. In fact, she insisted he dress in Lederhosen,
1: So this is the 1970s, and this little kid, he's already nerdy and weird. He's being forced to wear lederhosen to school. Can you imagine?
0: His mother's nickname for him was Minchin, an affectionate play on the name Armin, but one that also translates as servant. He was her little servant and did whatever she asked, washing windows, sweeping floors, scrubbing toilets, often while she ranted and raved, the introverted little boy just smiling oddly and doing whatever was ordered of him, completely dominated by his mother. Oh boy, we know what kind of script that that can lead to.
1: (laughs) Sometimes he'd wander to the neighboring farm to spy on the happy family there, just to see their loving ways, hear the joyous laughter, and... As it was a working farm, often they were slaughtering animals. He'd watch as pigs, ducks, hens, and geese were killed and bled out before butchering. Somewhere in his mind, he began to associate slaughter and meat with love, acceptance, and family.
0: And Armin still had his imaginary friend Frankie, whom he would confide in at night as he fell asleep telling him all his secrets, how he missed his father and brothers, how the new boy at school was taunting him, mercilessly teasing him.
1: Armin could tell Frankie anything, how he liked to cut up his classmates like the neighbor's butchered animals and then consume them, how if he ate them, they'd always be with him. He'd reread his beloved Hansel and Gretel over and over, fixating on the part where the witch kept the children in a cage in order to fatten them up to eat. He completely fixated on this image, fattening up a human to eat. The fantasy was constantly with him. When he watched television and saw a character he liked, he imagined how lovely it would be to slaughter and eat them. Whispering to Frankie in the Dead of Nights, they'll never leave me if I eat them. I could have someone who is always with me. I can feel safe and secure, and I won't be lonely anymore. I'll have someone to be part of me."
0: And Frankie, of course, agreed. Armin loved gory horror films, but while others reveled in the thrill of being frightened and revolted, Armin took comfort in the blood and guts, seeing slaughter as an act of love.
1: As he entered puberty, He took these fantasies with him. The idea of cutting open a boy's chest, ripping out his heart, liver and lungs and feasting on them while still warm and raw aroused him sexually to no end. Getting changed for gym class in the locker room, he'd gaze at the chests of the other boys being completely overcome with wonder over what their nipples would taste like and how he'd love to bite into their thighs.
0: Armin had become a textbook vereraphiliac, finding the idea of cannibalism extremely erotic. We discussed this a bit in our Albert Fish episode, but this isn't an uncommon sexual fantasy. When Googled, the first thing that comes up is a Reddit subgroup of vereraphiliacs, But these are people indulging in fantasies, And cannibalism is understood to be just that, fantasy. But for Armin, this obsession with cannibalism was much more. It was an obsession and desire.
1: Chapter 2. The Haunted Mansion and the Witch Next Door
0: When he was 16, Armin and his mother moved into the dilapidated 30-room mansion they'd used as a vacation home. Waltrod reveled in the idea of living in a majestic estate and having a lifestyle of grandeur. Though the truth was, they were on a tight budget. She didn't work and relied on her meager inheritance and rent payments, and the sprawling house, which the neighbors all called haunted, was far from grandiose. The grounds were a mess, the garden in shambles, the house itself dirty, crumbling, with a nasty, moldy odor, as well as rat-infested.
1: But Waltrod labeled each room with a poetic name, calling her bedroom Nenglans, or Sunlight. Her dressing room, Frutau or Morning Dew. The attic was named Country View, and Armin's bedroom was called Kinderzimmer, or Child's Room. She even posted a floral decorated sign on his door. He was nearly 17 years old, but still considered a child, and he'd never remove that sign from his door.
0: On weekends, the bourgeois frowning mother and her strange teenage son in Lederhosen would ride in a cart pulled by their beloved pony as Waltrod cast haughty glances about and lectured her son on her strict principles of living, which were derived from the culture of the 1920s and 30s.
1: Waltrod schooled Armin on the proper ways of etiquette, how to hold a fork or teacup properly, the appropriate setting for each utensil, the proper way to receive guests and seat them formally at the table. But they seldom had guests. The neighbors all thought they were weird as hell, living as if in another century in a crumbling house, just the two of them. And Waltrud, like Armin, had no close friends whatsoever. But that would all change when a self-proclaimed satanic witch named Ulla von Bernus moved in next door,
0: Ulla von Bernus claimed to be able to cast quote death spells with reliability end quote for between one hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars she would bring you your dream lover, cause harm to an enemy, or conveniently dispose of people via fatal car crashes heart attacks, or falls down the stairs.
1: As she herself said,
0: I have sent 20 men to eternal damnation via a ritual distance killing. I bewitched them to death, and each time I made it look like an accident.
1: Her reputation was garnished when, after a neighbor was accused of a crime, the three judges heading the court case suffered heart attacks, and the prosecutor was fatally injured. She advertised her wares, As such.
0: My hexes and spellcasting are superior to all others. I can help you achieve anything you want. Just tell me what you need done, and through my extremely powerful spell work, it will be done immediately. I get the job done using my own method of black magic. Come to me with any problem and be rid of it tomorrow.
1: She was also a compulsive gambler, spending her time at the roulette table at the casino in Bad Harzberg. And these names are Bad Harzberg. But she often lost. And when asked why the devil didn't give her the winning numbers, she just shrugged and replied,
0: He has more important things to do.
1: Ula von Bernas painted the walls of her new house black. The doorbell on her black door was a skull's head, out of which popped the tongue. She decorated the house with pictures of the devil, and erected and altar to Satan, complete with black mirror, a dagger, and candles. The house became known as the witch's house by the locals, who of course called Armin's house next door, the haunted house.
0: Ula and Armin's mother became best friends. The two would spend their time together drinking coffee and chatting, little Armin often accompanying his mother. Armin was fascinated with his mother's new friend, often peppering her with questions. She explained that Satan was the dark force in nature whom she'd used to replace God, and that the world was ruled by the flesh, the carnal, and death.
1: Friendless and with no one besides his domineering mother to talk to, Armin now had a real-life witch as a friend, just like the witch in his beloved Hansel and Gretel who fattened up children in cages to eat.
0: Ula was a huge influence on little Armin and his dreams began to be tinged with a dark supernatural quality. He began to act out his wicked fantasies, dismembering Barbie dolls and cooking their severed limbs on the barbecue in the garden, gleeful as the dolls smiling faces melted into a black mess. He would construct his own little dolls out of marzipan, spending hours to make them appear as lifelike and real as possible, before ripping them to shreds and devouring them in a cannibalistic frenzy.
1: And it all became quite sexual as well. He made a marzipan mold of his own penis. He'd create human-sized marzipan hearts and livers, devouring them as he masturbated. He'd creep into the kitchen at night, and create scenes of carnage with pork and ketchup, trying to make them look as human and lifelike as possible, taking photos and videos to fantasize over later.
0: Jesus Christ, this is already <laughs> bonkers. And uh, uh, just... Eventually, Ula had to move away because of financial troubles, relocating to Bad Harzburg to be near the casino. But her influence on Armin had been set deep within his psyche. There was no good or evil, only the flesh and death and your own desires and satisfactions.
1: After graduating high school, Armin joined the military. His mother had actually trained him well for a life of taking orders and doing as he was told. He did well, rising up the ranks from administrative clerk to staff sergeant in the supplies division of the 52nd Armored Infantry Battalion. Since he was stationed in Rottenburg, He would go home to his mother every night and even brought her on the troop outings, the two sharing a double room, which the other soldiers found utterly bizarre, often teasing him.
0: For 12 years, he served in the military, but he was seen as odd and a loner, and he lacked the toughness to be a superior officer and assert his authority. He was always complacent, even to those below him in rank, to whom he should have been giving orders.
1: At the officer's Christmas party, when soldiers brought their wives and girlfriends, Armin brought his mother and clung to her side all night. And on the rare times when he did have a date with a girl, he'd bring his mother along as a chaperone, not understanding why the girls thought it was weird and creepy to have his mother. And after each of these dates, His mother would say to him,
0: Armin, she's simply not suitable. You cannot be seen with someone as common as that, yeah? Did you hear the way she talked? Her enunciation is atrocious.
1: Of course, he didn't lament the fact that he couldn't be alone with any of these dates to kiss, cuddle, or fondle. He wasn't interested in girls like that. Though he did harbor a want to marry and have children, he saw women as instrumental in reproduction. But he didn't want to kiss them or be intimate with them. His sexual desires were directed purely towards men. A deep secret he kept from his mother. And nearly all those desires included consuming their flesh.
0: And Waltrod and Armin would go out on their own mother and son dates. Every Sunday afternoon, Waltrod would get dressed up in a traditional Bavarian dirndl dress adorning herself in her finest jewelry and makeup, while Armin would wear a suit and drive his mother about in their aging yellow Mercedes, like something straight out of the 1950s, though it was now the 1980s. In 1990,
1: Walter was seriously hurt in a car crash and incapacitated, but Armin was there to wait on her, hand and foot, to see to her every need, And the two became ever more reliant on each other. In
0: 1991, the army discharged Armin. He wanted to stay, but he just wasn't independent, mature, or strong enough to give orders and be in a leadership role.
1: So Armin took some computer training classes and became a service technician for Fiducia, a software firm in the Rhine Valley. He'd overhaul computers, printers, and other office equipment, as well as service automatic cash machines. He was well suited for the job efficient, quiet, hardworking, taking orders well, and was praised by his boss.
0: Ehrman loved not having to work with others, getting lost in the mechanics and codes, and he became a skilled programmer and computer technician dreaming of setting up an internet company for pharmaceuticals, or even one day turning the haunted mansion into a residential computer school.
1: Making good money, he began to invest in old cars, thinking he could fix them up, remodel them, and sell them at a tidy profit. He bought a Mercedes-Benz 108 and two Trabants, old East German personal carriers, but he never got around to working on them. And the cars just sat there on the patchy lawn with other junk he collected. Old lawn mowers, a cement mixer, office chairs.
0: And on September 2nd, 1999, the unthinkable happened. After a long illness at the age of 77, Waltrod passed away there in her bedroom of the haunted house. She was all that Armin had ever had his entire life. Much more than just a mother. His only friend, his life partner, his everything. Armin was now alone in the 30-room haunted mansion. His pony and dog having long ago died.
1: He turned the home into a shrine devoted to his mother's memory. He started imagining he was his mother, wearing her dresses, impersonating her voice. He fastidiously cleaned her room, her silverware, even her hairbrush literally becoming her, in his mind.
0: One day, an old school friend came by, and Armin answered the door wearing his mother's floral frock coat, makeup, and a wig. The shocked friend would later tell other friends,
1: He's taken over his mother's role in the house. I had a real shock when I went into her room. Her dressing gown was laid out neatly on the bed, beautifully pressed, as if he's expecting her back at any moment. It's spooky. Armin has become his mother. This shit is so Norman Bates psycho, right?
0: Uh, Crazy. It's like, my God. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But while Armin kept his mother's room spotless, agonizing over cleaning and dusting each and every item, he let the rest of the house fall into filth and disrepair. Spiders taking over, covering everything with cobwebs, Rats creeping in, leaving droppings behind, dust piling up in all the corners.
1: So, Ed So, so, Ed While it annoyed the neighbors that his yard was becoming cluttered with broken down cars and junk, the grounds weren't properly taken care of, they thought of him as a good person that was just a bit odd. I mean, he was friendly and would help fix their computers for them, even mow their lawns and help chop wood. And every Christmas... He dressed up like Santa Claus to amuse the children. He was extremely polite, soft-spoken, well-groomed, just very introverted and awkward. And he also babysat, watching their children when parents wanted the night out. They trusted him.
0: Bonkers. I don't know how somebody hasn't like created a Christmas horror movie based on this shit, but we'll get to that. <laughs> And Armin longed to have his own family, to fill up the big house with children. He joined a marriage-finding club, trying to find a wife, but had no luck. He eventually did meet an interested woman named Karen. He was very excited to have someone to share his life with, a new mother he could have children with. But when he brought her back to his haunted mansion, she firmly said she would never, ever move into the moldy, dilapidated, filthy house. It was a deal-breaker, for Armin could never bear to leave the house, which had become a shrine to his beloved mother.
1: He fell more and more into his fantasies, piling computers into a room where he could surf the internet and lose himself to bizarre chat rooms dedicated to cannibalism. He studied the history, how the word cannibal was derived from the name of the West Indian Carib tribe, About tribes in New Guinea that engaged in ritualistic funeral feasts until cannibalism was eventually banned there in the 1950s. About exo-cannibalism, the eating of enemies, and how the Aztecs practiced it as a religion, sacrificing war captives. And about how Aboriginal Australians practiced endo-cannibalism, consuming friends and family after they had passed away.
0: He began to see a religious element to cannibalism, pondering over the Eucharist and how Catholics thought transubstantiation was the literal turning of bread and wine into flesh and blood to be devoured.
1: He pondered the erotic elements of it as well, how ingestion was a form of intercourse, how lovers teasingly bite each other, working their mouths over their partner's bodies. And for Armin, cannibalism became the highest form of intimacy one could find with another human.
0: He obsessed over Jeffrey Dahmer and Fritz Harmond, the wolfmen of Hanover who sold human meat on the black market after World War I, and whom we covered in episode 27, as well as infamous child killer and cannibal Albert Fish, whom we covered in episode 28.
1: And he particularly liked the story of the Donner Party, Focusing on how the men were the first to be eaten, which somehow confirmed his belief that women should be spared so they could breed, coming to the bizarre conclusion that men are expendable since, and I'm going to quote here, sperm from a man can be frozen and used to give birth to children after his death. But women are irreplaceable for the continuity of mankind, end quote which, like, seriously, what the fuck? How did this justifies eating men? In his mind, it's so weird. He elaborates by saying, to me, there's no big difference if a pig or a human is being slaughtered.
0: He was slowly justifying the killing and eating of a man, building it up in his mind. His fantasies began to take over. He cut out pictures of body parts from catalogs and glued them to a drawing of a barbecue. He took photographs of his own body, putting his penis between two slices of bread like a sandwich, adorning it with ketchup and parsley. He made a penis out of pork and photographed it with his own penis beside it on a cutting board. He went from making body parts out of marzipan to eat to constructing an entire body out of the stuff.
1: He also delved into darker and darker pornography moving from hardcore bondage, torture, and s and to slaughter scenes and snuff films he found and traded on the internet. He made folders on his computer dedicated to his dark fascination. One folder marked Grosom, or terror in English, had photos of accident victims and severed body parts. Another titled Fleisch, or meat, was simply images of raw meat, he videotaped news shows that featured images of car accidents or autopsy footage. He started saving recipes he found on how to properly cook and serve human flesh, such as penneartie jongeleber or boy's liver and breadcrumbs, and penis mit or penis in red wine. He found essays promoting cannibalism as a way of lessening overpopulation.
0: In the year 2000, when the internet was still in its infancy, there were already over 800,000 websites devoted to cannibalism. Armin dived into these online communities, using the name of the imaginary friend he'd had since he was a small child, Frankie.
1: He even wrote a short story about killing and eating a male prostitute but structuring it as a Grimm's fairy tale. He entitled it Der Strikjong, or Rent Boy. In the story, the sex worker says to the protagonist,
0: I only have you, and I only want you. Let me become part of you. Slaughter me.
1: But I love you, the protagonist exclaims.
0: That's precisely why you have to do it.
1: He describes the prostitute's handsome male chest as delicious, firm, and juicy, and detailed the, quote, big hot jets of blood that pulsated out when he was stabbed to death.
0: Hanging out in chat rooms such as Cannibal Cafe and Gourmet Guy, he became bolder and bolder especially as he learned there was an entire culture and fetish of those wishing to actually be eaten and eventually decided to search out someone to consume.
1: Armin was an active member in about 430 different cannibal websites. For the first time in his life, he didn't feel odd and alone. He felt free to express himself. Those wishing to eat a human or be eaten ranged from dentists, teachers, cooks, the government officials, he'd found his people. He learned the lingo where victims were called long pigs or hairless goats. He even set up his own cannibal chat room on Yahoo. He chatted with a man who liked going to slaughterhouses and watching the animals being butchered and killed and fantasized that it was himself being slaughtered. He talked with a girl named Snuffy that was looking for a sadist and cannibal to torture and eat her pulling out her teeth so she couldn't bite, then cutting off her toes and fingers and cooking and consuming them right in front of her.
0: But to his great chagrin, he saw most of this was pure fantasy and role-playing. When he saw a post from Stevo saying,
1: My meat is yours to eat. To anyone who wishes to have me as their dream meal, I am 18 years old and have tender Delicious flesh that is begging to be devoured. If you think you would like me in your belly, then send me a message.
0: Armin immediately messaged him in a feverish state, but there was no reply.
1: A guy named Tufki from Denhog posted, If anyone want to eat an 18-year-old gorgeous male, then just tell me how you would feel whilst devouring my horny flesh. Into your belly. And I will reply so we can discuss real arrangements. Please eat me. (laughs) But they weren't serious. It was a fantasy, a kink. But Armin, Armin was dead serious. He wasn't playing around. He truly wanted to eat a human being.
0: Armin posted 60 ads, stating in his stilted English,
1: I am Frankie from Germany. And I search for a young boy between eighteen and thirty years old. Have you a normal build body? Will you die? Then come <laughs> to me. I will butcher you and eat your horny flesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's so good.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The have you normal? Have you?
1: All right, you. Have please, you I... normal body build? <laughs> build body.
0: Not funny, but it is. I'm so It's hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> and another ad, dating simply.
1: Gay male seeks hunks 18 to 30 for slaughter.
0: A woman replied, but he wasn't interested in eating a female. He only wanted to eat a male.
1: Potential male victim replied, but he was much too fat for Armin's taste. And I mean that most literally. He wasn't too fat for his sexual tastes. Armin just thought that too much body fat on a man would ruin the meat. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. What a bummer to be turned down. Uh,
0: So a slow trickle began to flow in from accounts such as butcher boy, meat for food, BBQ meat and eat me for dinner. In the end, 204 people responded to his ads as well as 15 that just wanted to watch the whole thing go down.
1: (laughs) He arranged over 30 meetings with potential victims. Driving to Dresden and hamburger. I think it's just Hamburg. (laughs) You got
0: got meat on the brain.
1: (laughs) Did I say hamburger? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I do. (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This fucking episode is killing me. I'm crying.
1: Eventually, he struck up acquaintance with a hotel cook named Jorg. They met at a hotel for drinks, then headed back. To the haunted mansion.
0: Armin tied Jorg up, then used a pen to mark all the cuts of meat he would use. But then Yorg began to panic and told him it was just a fantasy. He didn't really want to be slaughtered, and said his feet hurt and asked to be untied.
1: Armin untied Yorg, let him go. He was only interested in a willing victim. He was no demented serial killer. He was a gentleman. And At heart, a kind soul.
0: But then, on February 5th, 2001, Armin finally struck gold with a post from Hador99, reading,
1: I offer myself up and will let you dine from my live body. Not butchery, dining. I am 36 years old, 175 centimeters, and weigh 72 kilograms. I hope you are really serious about it. Because I really want it.
0: Armin wrote back as his counter-ego, Frankie.
1: There are a lot of people out there who are interested, but only a few who really mean it.
0: Kador answered back.
1: Whoever really wants to do it needs a real victim.
0: They began a correspondence, sending each other their torture fantasies and photographs of themselves naked. Armin sent Kador pictures of his teeth, saying, quote,
1: I will sink them into your body and bite off your tongue. Kator answered, that won't be hell, but heaven on earth.
0: To which Armin replied, this will be the biggest kick for me. I get to kick out of the idea of having another person inside me. Great. Terrific.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it hell. So uh, a date was set. Burned would come to Rottenburg on Friday, March 9th. 2001 to be eaten. And Armin was ecstatic, saying, This is what I was born to do. I will reach my life's great goal at last.
0: Oh my God. Chapter three A little boy named Bernd. Bernd Jurgen Brandis was born in 1958 to loving parents in Berlin, Germany. Both his parents were respected medical professionals his father a general practitioner, and his mother an anesthesiologist.
1: But when Byrne was only six years old, tragedy struck. While administering anesthesia to a patient, his mother made a fatal mistake and the patient died. Burn's mother was racked with guilt, her career and reputation ruined, and drove her car head on into a tree. Byrne's father would often lament that it was not an accident, but suicide, saying she often said she just couldn't live knowing she'd accidentally killed someone.
0: Overnight, the family was destroyed. Mommy was gone, the one who'd always tucked burned in, tickled him, read him bedtime stories, and his father retreated into himself, becoming sullen and uncommunicative.
1: Little Byrne somehow blamed himself for his mother's death. As he grew up, this guilt took on a strange turn. He began to connect his sexuality and his genitalia with his mother and her death, blaming his sexuality for the death of his mother and seeing the only way to atone and end his suffering being his own annihilation. He began to dream of being slaughtered and eaten.
0: After a series of nannies, Burns father eventually remarried. Bernd got along well with his stepmother and did well in school. He was sociable, even-tempered, never got into any trouble, and graduated with excellent grades, and moved on to the Berlin Technical University, where he studied electrical engineering. He graduated in 1986 and immediately secured work at Siemens AG, Germany's largest engineering company, testing software for telephone systems becoming a world specialist in telecommunications. In just four years, he was promoted to the head of the department. He was well-respected and well-liked by all.
1: Little did anyone know that nagging inside him was an incredible desire to be annihilated, utterly destroyed, and consumed, starting with his sexual organs.
0: Bernd was a gay man, but lived completely in the closet, admitting his true sexuality to no one. He had a steady girlfriend, and the two were genuinely affectionate, even moving in together. She described him as a, quote, good thinker, a good listener, an easygoing domestic type, stable and secure, end quote.
1: But after seven years, the relationship fell apart and the two split up. He met a new girl, Petra, who was 12 years younger than him, But their relationship ended when he confided to her that he was sexually attracted to men.
0: Although he was attracted to men, Bernd felt he needed a wife to fit into society and tried desperately to find a new partner, going to online dating sites. At one point, he began dating a Nigerian woman online. Only after paying 6,000 German marks to have her fly out, he found it was all a scam.
1: Finally, Byrne decided to come out of the closet and find himself a boyfriend. He met a 27-year-old baker named Renee Jasnik at a party, and the two really hit it off. Renee was a lot of fun. He wore a gold hoop earring, and they shared many of the same interests.
0: Eventually, Renee moved in with Byrne, and they fell into domestic tranquility. They were both pretty vanilla, didn't like the outrageous gay scene, weren't into anything kinky whatsoever found most of their happiness cuddling on the sofa and watching movies like an old married couple.
1: While Renee and Byrne had been a couple for years and were now living together, Byrne never came out to his work colleagues and still pretended to be straight, boasting about the fictional women he was dating. His co-workers were aware he had a male roommate, but they had no idea that the two were actually a couple.
0: And these weren't the only lies and secrets Byrne was keeping. While he seemed to be having a nice, monogamous, and stable relationship, the truth was he was seeking out male prostitutes, men whom he could reveal his true desires to, to be humiliated, beaten, tortured, devoured. He'd ask sex workers to beat him, whip him until he bled, to not stop even when he was in obvious pain.
1: And he'd often demand that they bite off his penis. They'd play along, role-play, pretend to be chomping on it, but it was all an act, which is what they thought he wanted. But Byrne was deadly serious. He desperately wanted his penis to be bitten off and to be tortured to death. It had gone from a curious fantasy to an obsession to an absolute overwhelming desire. One day, Byrne brought his favorite prostitute a knife and told him, matter-of-factly, to cut off his dick with it. Do it, Byrne commanded. The man denied his request.
0: Bernd went to another prostitute, begging the man to bite off his penis, saying he'd pay him 10,000 German marks, give him his computer, his car. Shaken, the man denied him and refused to ever see him again.
1: Back at home, Renee would leave in the dead of night to head to the bakery to work. And Byrne would get up and scroll through the Internet, playing out his violent fantasies in his head with hardcore pornography featuring torture and bondage, logging on to cannibal sites, expressing his desire to be consumed and humiliated, destroyed, posting, looking for a manly man to help me leave this world.
0: And that's when Bernd met his soulmate, Armin. It was a match made in heaven. Bernd had wanted to be eaten since he was a child, and Armin had wanted to eat someone since he was a child. Soon, a date was set.
1: Chapter 4. The Preparations Excitedly, Armin built his own slaughter room in the mansion's former smokehouse on the second floor. A hidden windowless room far from any curious neighbors with prying eyes. The concrete floor was perfect for mopping up blood, and he insulated the walls with old mattresses to hide any squeals of pain.
0: He joyfully set to hanging up meat hooks. He constructed a trough to drain blood, nailed blocks of wood to the walls and hung mannequins from them imagining his new friend there as naked and vulnerable as the mannequins. He used an old metal patio table as a butcher's bench and collected his tools, knives, and axe, serving fork, all of which he arranged just so upon it. He even built a wooden cage to keep a captive in, thinking they might like the feel of confinement.
1: Oh, isn't that sweet? What a nice guy. He attached a pulley to the ceiling so that he could haul his long pig up by its feet. Once the victim was dead, he'd have to hoist him up in what is called the Gein configuration by cannibal enthusiasts because of how infamous Ed Gein butchered Bernice Warden, hanging her carcass by her feet with the legs spread to provide access to the pelvis.
0: Like what Art the Clown did in the Terrifier film. Exactly. And lastly, Armin dragged a rusty iron bed to the middle of the room, the altar his victim would be placed on to be sacrificed, attaching ropes and belts so he could tie someone down if need be.
1: He was so happy and proud, showing off pictures of his slaughter room on the internet to all his friends, thinking that soon, once he'd consumed a fellow human being, he'd fill that void his mother had left.
0: In Berlin. On the magic day of March 9, 2001, Bernd woke up early, showered and shaved, then went to his computer and erased all his files, cleared his internet history, and wiped the computer drive completely clean. A month of confessions, detailed plans, sexual desires to be tortured and eaten, all traces of his connection to Armin were wiped, vanished as if they'd never been there at all. He didn't want anyone to know what happened to him. He would simply disappear. Much like his mother had when he was just a little boy.
1: He told everyone at the office that he was headed to London, and they wouldn't see him for a few days.
0: He discreetly left his will out, leaving everything to his beloved Renee, and walked out the door into the train station, buying a one-way ticket to Rottenburg using cash so as to leave no paper trail, ensuring there'd be no trace of where he'd gone.
1: In his back pocket, he kept a large bundle of cash thinking if it came to bribing Armin to cut off his penis, at least he'd have the funds. He was hungry, his stomach growled, but he didn't eat. He wanted his intestines to be clean so that his flesh would be tastier and the slaughter easier.
0: As the high-speed train barreled down the tracks, Burns contemplated his need to be castrated, how his sexuality disgusted him. How extinguishing his body and life would be such a thrill and a relief. How being eaten would leave nothing remaining. He didn't want to leave some rotting corpse behind or have his ashes sit on someone's mantle. He also felt a sense of power surge through him. Armin wanted to eat his body. He had something someone wanted.
1: Eventually, the train pulled into the station. Byrne disembarked, and there was Armin waiting, a smile on his face. Byrne walked up to him happily and whispered, I am your cater. I am your flesh. I hope you will find me tasty.
0: Chapter 5 The Feast As Armin drove Byrne back to his haunted mansion, he turned to him and asked, Do you really want to go through with it? You really want me to eat you?
1: you know I wouldn't be here if I didn't, would I?
0: Oh, you don't know how good that is to hear.
1: I can't wait for you to castrate me.
0: And I can't wait to taste your flesh in my mouth. Castration ensures a tender fillet. Oh, and they say romance is dead. Good grief. <laughs> the two men went back to the haunted mansion. Made slow and leisurely, but passionate love. Then they lay in each other's embrace, staring into each other's eyes, quietly whispering. Armand asking, quote, tell me why you want me to do it. I want to make sure you're ready to go through with this.
1: Oh, I am. I want to destroy myself, to disappear from the face of this planet.
0: Well, I want you. I think you're the most precious thing that has walked into my life. You're the person I want to make me whole. I'm beginning to believe... Dreams really can come true. I want to stab you to death, gut you, and carve you up. Then I'll eat you. A roast or a hearty steak. I want to avoid the use of fat or intestines. I've never been an experimental chef.
1: (laughs) You can't make this shit up, man. I've never been an experimental chef. Okay, so Armin then led Burnt by the hand to the slaughter room set up his video camera, and pressed record, music playing softly from a portable radio.
0: Bite me, burned whispered. Bite my penis off, drink my blood, and devour my flesh.
1: Armin bent down, bared his teeth, and went to bite. But he couldn't bring himself to do it. This was not his fantasy. This was Barnes' fantasy. Armin simply wanted to butcher him, not bite off his cock. He just, he was just a simple cannibal looking for a willing victim, not some sick in the head sadist. When Bird saw him hesitate, he grew irate.
0: No, you have to do it. Damn it. You can't stop now. Bite it.
1: Armin put Barnes' penis in his mouth, bit, bit harder, but it was no use. He didn't have the savagery inside him to rip off the man's member with his bare teeth, try as he might.
0: Burned sighed with disappointment. This isn't going to happen, is it?
1: Armin was too ashamed to even talk.
0: I just wanted to feel my penis being mutilated. But you're too nice, too weak. I should have known. Take me back to the train station.
1: The two men dressed and sullenly headed back to the train station. Burned buying a ticket back to Berlin. As the train rumbled down the track towards him, Armin turned to his soulmate and whispered, Burned, I honestly think we can do this. I feel such exquisite pleasure when I think about devouring your body parts.
0: But I need you to be tough. Do you think you can castrate me? Please, Armin, I'm begging you. Come back to the house with me. Yeah, I'm convinced I can do it. They then drove back to the haunted mansion. Burned eating a handful of sleeping pills and slamming a bottle of cough syrup to help ease the exquisite pain he was hoping to soon feel, washing it all down with a bottle of schnapps.
1: Back again in the slaughter room, the two men kissed and stroked each other, then Burned whispered,
0: "Cut the thing off.
1: And placed his penis on a cutting board. Armin lifted the knife, brought it down on Barnes' erect member and... Nothing happened. He chopped again and again. Nothing. The knife was simply too dull to cut through.
0: I'm beginning to despair of myself, Burns lamented. (laughs) But
1: but Armin ran down to the kitchen and returned with the sharpest knife he could find. Again, they went through the ritual. Burns placing his member in the cutting board. Again, Armin lifted the knife and brought it down, but this time, the sharp edge sliced right into the flesh.
0: Burned let out a horrible scream of pain and began leaping about as Armin again brought the knife down, again and again, finally fully severing his penis free.
1: Burn then turned to Armin and said,
0: How about an appetizer before your banquet? One that I can share.
1: This shit is videotaped. We are not making it up. This is how it happened. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 100% real.
0: Armin put a temporary bandage over Byrne's gaping wound, and the two men retired to the kitchen. The penis was sliced in half and placed on Armin's mother's best china plates and served. They tried to eat it raw, but it was much too tough so they decided to fry it in some olive oil, adding salt and pepper and garlic. The room soon filled with the aroma of frying human flesh. Again, they tried to eat the penis, but it was still too tough, so they put the halves back in the frying pan, where, to their horror, the penis quickly turned black and burnt to a crisp.
1: (laughs) They fucking ruined it. Amateurs, say what you want about Albert Fish, but he knew how to cook a penis. (laughs) My
0: God, burnt, feeling queasy, and losing a lot of blood, then asked if perhaps he could take a bath. Armin, eager to ease his soulmate's suffering, hurried to fill a tub with hot water.
1: The bath that was filthy, with a ring around it, but burned was oblivious, enjoying the warm water as he slowly bled out, the water turning a deep crimson, bits of tissue floating free, as burned played with the gaping wound where his penis had once been, gazing lovingly up at his soulmate Armin and saying,
0: You have no idea how good this feels. It is the most pleasure I've ever had. It's what I always wanted.
1: After a few hours, Armin checked in on Burned, wondering if perhaps he had bled to death. He had not,
0: and Armin helped
1: him stumble to a bed to lie down. Armin then sat reading a Star Trek novel, wondering if there were planets out in the solar system where cannibalism was allowed, while his cannibal soulmate lay in bed, slowly bleeding out. But the wound was not fatal, and death did not come.
0: Eventually, Burned did pass out from a combination of blood loss, sleeping pills, and cough syrup, and Armin hauled him into the slaughter room, careful not to bruise the body and ruin the meat he hit record on his video camera and set to work.
1: Armin lifted a long-handled butcher knife, held it over Byrne's throat, and said some last words to his soulmate. Goodbye, my dear friend. It is time to say farewell. Almighty Father, thank you for creating this man who lies before me. Thank you for allowing me to prolong his life by letting his spirit live on inside of me by consuming his body after death. He chose to give me a great gift, and for that, I will be eternally grateful.
0: Armin then plunged the knife deeply into Bernd's neck, then sliced across, ensuring the corroded arteries were cut and death would come quickly. As Armin prepared to butcher the body, he stroked burn's cheek and whispered,
1: I feel fulfilled, like I'm married to you. It's time for your loving, cannibalistic funeral celebration, my friend.
0: He then slipped ropes around each ankle, stretching the feet apart with a board, and hauled the body up, suspending the corpse upside down from a meat hook so that the body could bleed dry, massaging the extremities and pumping the stomach, amazed at just how much blood poured out. He worked at cutting the throat deeper and deeper, hacking through the windpipe and larynx, then removed the head by gripping it on either side and twisting it free of the spinal cord. He placed the decapitated head on the table beside him and talked to it.
1: There you are, Bernd. Now you can watch. You need not be worried. You're going to be just fine.
0: He then began to skin the corpse, talking merrily to the decapitated head all the while. When Bernd had been completely skinned, Armin began the process of gutting the carcass, making a cut from the solar plexus to the anus, careful not to cut the intestines and contaminate the meat with feces. He ran the knife around the anus, then tied it off with twine, using a saw to cut through the pubic bones, and began to pull out the organs and intestines, cutting them away from the back wall of the body, loving the slippery feel of flesh.
1: At this point, the videotape ran out, and he had to quickly run to the store to buy another tape. You'd think he'd have, like, that part covered, wouldn't you?
0: I also can't believe that the first cut to the penis, the knife was too dull. Like, haven't you been preparing for this your entire life? That's like, like, you know, like comical. Like uh, when
1: you see like a love story, and it, it's like always like unfulfilled. Like they're about to kiss and something happens. You know, yes. Like, oh, my God, it is <laughs> it's the sick cannibalistic
0: version of that. It's good grief. When he returned, he looked lovingly at the head on the table and said, I'm
1: home burned. Hope you weren't too lonely while I was gone.
0: He then removed the entire backbone by cutting and sawing it free, splitting the body in two. The belly he cut into thin strips for bacon, rolling some wide strips for a roast. He removed the calf muscles and the back of the lower legs, saying to the decapitated head,
1: Oh, that's a lovely piece of meat burnt.
0: The entire butchering process took several hours. When he was finished, he cooed lovingly to the severed head of his soulmate.
1: You'll soon become one with me, dear friend.
0: He packaged the various cuts in vacuum-sealed bags, each labeled meticulously, rump, steak, filet, ham, bacon, then buried the remains in his backyard, reciting Psalm 23.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters.
0: Waiting a few days for the meat to cure properly, He took photos of the various body parts, getting particularly creative with a foot.
1: He watched the videos he'd made of the slaughter and murder over and over while masturbating and hung up an arm in the kitchen, hoping to cure it like the air-dried hams of Parma. But it didn't work and began to rot, so he ground the bones into flour.
0: When the feast day was ready, he purchased Italian porcini mushrooms, Brussels sprouts, and South African red wine, decorated the table with candles, a bouquet of flowers, and folded linen napkins, and his mother's finest china, placing Byrne's severed head there to keep him company as he dined.
1: He meticulously washed a steak in cold water, tenderizing it with a rolling pin, and fried it in extra pure virgin olive oil and garlic, very careful not to burn it like he'd done with the penis. When the human steak was a perfect medium rare, he brought it to the table and recited a childhood prayer. Thank you for the words so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Amen.
0: Then he began to eat. It was more delicious than he could possibly have imagined, and he told Burns' severed head that as he chomped away.
1: Afterwards. He began to think he'd absorbed Byrne's skills, including his mastery of the English language. He felt stronger, more intelligent, but he was not satiated. He wanted more and became emboldened by his success.
0: Byrne's lover, Renee, as well as his co-workers, were concerned at his absence. The police were eventually called, but there wasn't a single clue as to where he could have gone or what had become of him he'd simply disappeared without a trace.
1: Over the next few months, Armin ate over half of Byrne's body, making pot roasts, meatballs, bacon, and recipes he found online, like bicep cutlets in port wine sauce and breaded young man's liver. He also actively began seeking out a new victim.
0: Several people responded and even came to Armin's haunted mansion, but none of them were serious just role-playing, lost in fantasy. One asked to be locked in the wooden cage and fed scraps of meat like an animal.
1: You know, Armin knew someone would appreciate that cage. and He was right.
0: In his online searches for someone new to cannibalize, he became bolder and bolder, bragging of his exploits, even posting photos of his prized meats cooked to perfection, all culminating in July 9th, 2001. When a trolling college student stumbled upon his posts and after playfully engaging with him, came to the horrifying conclusion that this was no act or fantasy. This was a real-life murderer and cannibal. And he notified the police.
1: Two months later, the police would identify Frankie the cannibal as Armin Muse and search his home. Soon, he would confess to everything, saying Burned had died willingly and then show them the videotapes to prove it.
0: Chapter 6, The Trial. The trial was a media sensation, with all the morbidly curious onlookers packing the courthouse that one would expect. Cannibalism itself was technically not a crime in Germany, so there was only the issue of murder. But it was abundantly clear that Bernd deeply wanted to be killed and eaten, had given himself freely, even participating in the murder, trying to eat his own penis, first raw and then burned, and it was all on videotape. So, was it murder?
1: The jury decided, no, it was not murder. Since Burned had desperately wanted to die and asked to be killed, it was more akin to a type of euthanasia, and Armin was only convicted of manslaughter a much less serious charge, sentencing him to just eight years in prison.
0: But in April 2005, prosecutors appealed Mew's sentence, arguing that he should have been convicted of murder because he killed for sexual gratification, not as a means of ending his friend's mental suffering. And they used the videotapes to prove this motive. The court ruled that the original trial had ignored the significance of the video in disproving the argument that Muse only killed because he had been asked to kill, and he was retried.
1: You can't retry people in, in the United States. It's called double jeopardy. You can only be tried for a crime one time here.
0: At Armin's retrial, a psychologist stated that Muse could very well reoffend, as he, quote, still had fantasies about devouring the flesh of young people, end quote. And on May 10th, 2006, A court in Frankfurt convicted Muse of murder and sentenced him to life imprisonment.
1: And starting in 2020, Armin was granted supervised excursions to town, but he had to wear a disguise. So if you're ever in Germany and see some thin-lipped, buggy-eyed man walking about, escorted by cops in a wig and obvious disguise, it could be a real-life cannibal.
0: And in 2023, the Haunted Mansion was burned to the ground in what investigators believe was arson. Two juveniles were suspected of the crime and investigated, but no arrests were ever made.
1: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of Armin and Burned, the Cannibal Soulmates.
0: I have to ask, I did we see anything in our research for this as to... Was he ever remorseful, or did he still maintain that he okay. was?
1: He says he's sorry he did it now, but I come on, dude. He is so not sorry. I don't believe it for a second. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, and I don't know. It's, it's just, morally, it's just so bizarre. It's like hard to wrap your head around because like this guy wanted to be eaten. This guy wanted to eat him. I mean, killing people is not good. We don't condone murder. <laughs> like, no, of course not. It's just insane. Like I don't know.
0: But you know what kind of, like, weirds me out? Like, again, like, I'm not condoning, but, like, it's crazy that he had people come to the house numerous times as potential victims. And it's not like he brought him upstairs and tied him up and couldn't control himself. There's, like, a... It was like he really, truly was only willing to do it with a willing victim and i do want yeah he untied
1: me- people he let them go he, he right. let people go he had he had someone in the cage he had them all tied up he could have easily killed them and they're like no uh, let me go and he's like okay
0: yeah so weird i i do wonder like if that would have changed like if if his you know if he wasn't right. able to find consistent willing victims if eventually he would have just been like all right, well, dude, you told me you were willing and you're now you're tied up and now I'm just going to fucking do it because it's been a year and I haven't been able to find anybody, like that kind of thing.
1: I mean, it's so weird. He couldn't bite the guy's penis off, but he had no problem sticking a butcher knife into his neck while he was still alive. I mean, he's a killer. I mean, that's, right. that's insane. Sure. You know what I mean? To stick a knife into someone's neck, I mean, that's hardcore. And you would think that, yeah, it would... It would begin to escalate. You know what I mean? He would he would, would get more bloodthirsty and more bloodthirsty, and eventually, yeah, he'd probably turn into a serial killer. I I assume. I don't. Yeah,
0: crazy. So that's a thing in Germany: excursions into town as a prisoner, as a murder, you know, a prisoner on in light for life imprisonment for murder. You get to Apparently. go out on the town as long that's as what you wear a, wear it, a fake mustache. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ashley, for suggesting this. And um, thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this wild ride.
1: And if you're hungry for more, (laughs) oh, I'm so sorry. I could not resist. We've got another very famous cannibal story coming to you next week. And that cannibal was a porn star. So be sure to tune in. You're not going to want to miss this one. And you know we want to hear from you. Do you have a case we think we should cover? Do we get something wrong? You just want to say hi. Drop us a line at murdercoasterpodcast at gmail.com. That's murdercoasterpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again so much for listening. We will see you next week.
0: Bye.